afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we're going to talk about a very difficult subject today. It's the subject of forgiveness. That word forgiveness turns out to just be another F word, for it's fraught with so much misinformation and laden with such heaviness. But forgiveness is not what we thought it is. It's not something we should can should ourselves into. It's not a duty. It's not taking someone back just because they want to be taken back. It's not absolution. It's not tolerating the intolerable and accepting the unacceptable. It's not pity. It's not trying to discover why they did it. It's not a decision to be a good person by forgiving. It's not a decision at all. It's not earned, and it is not the magic that makes bad feelings go away. Finally, it is not closure. What it is is far bigger, far more profound, and far better than any of the things we have called forgiveness. So today we're going to learn what forgiveness is and what it isn't and how we might process through it. So stay here today. So let's talk a little bit first before we go any further about what forgiveness is not. And then we're going to talk about what forgiveness is. And then we're going to talk about how we may process through forgiveness. So we said that forgiveness is not something we should should ourselves we can should ourselves into. Well, I hear people say that all the time. I should be more forgiving. I know I should forgive him, but, and what they're really saying is, I have these feelings inside of me that are very difficult to process, and I don't know what to do with them, but I know what I should do with them. I should just get over it, just drop those feelings and just get over it, and that's what we think forgiveness means. It means we just get over it, and we're done with it, and and, and that's actually not, we can't shoot ourselves into forgiveness. You know, if you've been with the show for very long, you've heard me say, if we put the word should in front of the word love, it ceases to be love and becomes obligation or duty. Well, it's the same as forgiveness. Forgiveness, if you put the word should in front of the word forgiveness, it ceases to be forgiveness and becomes mere obligation. Forgiveness is an emotional and spiritual process. It is not something that can be done by shooting ourselves into it. So when we hear ourselves saying, I know I should be more forgiving, or I should forgive him, but just know what we're trying to do is make the difficult feelings go away. We're trying to pretend to ourselves that we can push those feelings away and just get over it. So in that same sense, then, uh, forgiveness is not a duty. We don't have to forgive people. In fact, there are some times when forgiveness is, is, would be a mistake. Um, there are times when forgiveness would be a mistake for the individual who is trying to forgive. Sometimes I've seen people, for example, people who've been sexually abused as children, trying very hard to believe that what they should do is forgive their perpetrator. And, and in the process, what they're doing is negating themselves. They're trying to tell themselves they shouldn't have the feelings they have and that these feelings that they have are negative feelings and, it, and they're very hostile toward themselves while they're trying to be forgiving toward the perpetrator. And uh, that process just doesn't work. It's not mentally healthy. It's not emotionally healthy. It's not good for the person trying to do it. 
And so in that sense, we don't want to encourage the person to forgive at this point. What we want to encourage the person to do is allow those feelings to come forward so they can process through them, so that they can um, get get to the other side of those feelings in sort of a transformative way. So that's what our feelings have come to do. They've come to give us a message, and the message is, can be, very often is, a transformative message, a message that can transform us from the inside out. So we don't want to rush that process by trying to forgive, thinking that it's our duty to forgive, um, and, and pushing ourselves to do something that really is harmful to us. So it's not a duty. Forgiveness is not a duty. And it's not taking someone back. You can forgive someone without ever allowing them back into your life. You can forgive someone uh, who, let's say, for example, a spousal abuser, a spousal abuser might, uh, the person who's been abused might say, I need to forgive that person. And what they mean by that is, I need to take him back. I need to take her back. I need to put, uh, put myself in the position of being abused again, is really what they're saying, although they might not think of it that way. Um, but here's the thing. In order for a person to heal from being a, a, an abuser, there has to be a lot of work done. And that person has to be willing to do the work, not only willing, but have a deep desire to do the work to try to become, try to, to transform that abusive energy into something more loving and supportive and kind. And uh, there's a lot of psychological work that goes into that, and it might take years. And they might never get it. So the person who's been abused who says to themselves, well, it's not kind of me to be so unforgiving. I need to be more forgiving. And he's begging me to take him back. He's, he's been so romantic, and he's been so kind to me now in the past week or so. And, and I, I just he tells me he swears he's never going to do it again. And so I should just take him back. And I will call that forgiveness. Well, really what that is, is being manipulated. It's, it's, uh, it's allowing someone to manipulate you when the, when the abuse cycle clearly shows us that the abuser is very likely to ab- abuse again. That they, they go through these cycles of, of saying they're sorry and buying roses and being extra nice to the kids and cooking supper and doing all these wonderful things that they hadn't been doing before, all to convince the person to come back. And once the person comes back, they start the abuse cycle again. And that is common. It's just, well, it's a well-known abuse cycle. So telling ourselves that we should take this person back is a mistake very often and one that we can, can, can be very damaging. So uh, we don't want to think that forgiveness means taking someone back. It is possible, however for a person who's been abused to forgive their perpetrator without ever taking them back. And that's a process we'll talk about as we work through this show today. But uh, so we can know that it is possible to forgive, but that does not mean taking that person back. It does not mean allowing that person back into your life because it's very possible in many cases that the person's just going to repeat what they did before. Um, And that's not acceptable. And speaking of acceptance, uh, forgiveness is not tolerating the intolerable and accepting the unacceptable. And that's one of the things that we've been taught. A lot of us have been taught that we should just put up with what people do. We should always be loving and kind and and, and giving and and, and never uh, have a crossword for anyone. We should never have boundaries. Those, you know, I have even heard people say, 
and this is common right now, as particularly in the evangelical sector of the Christian church, um, that people are being taught that to have boundaries is to not be loving. And that is just the opposite of the truth. To have boundaries is to tell the truth. One of the things that uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says is that, uh, that love is true. Love tells the truth. Love loves the truth is what it says. And uh, so when we say that we're going to, we're going to um, tolerate the intolerable and accept the unacceptable, we're really just in denial. That's not the truth. We're telling ourselves that things don't hurt us that do hurt us. We're telling ourselves that things don't matter that do matter. We're telling ourselves that, 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 that the pain of being with somebody who's being unloving and abusive or unkind and, and emotionally, physically, sexually, or otherwise abusive or just plain toxic is, is okay. It's, a, it's really okay to be with that person, and it's really not okay. Because A, one is not loving to ourselves, and B, it doesn't tell the truth to the other person. And how is that other person going to grow and change if nobody ever tells them the truth? If everybody just tolerates their behavior, they're going to keep doing it forever. They're not going to stop. So they don't have any feedback from the world that says, oh, there's a problem here. You need to change this behavior. They don't have that feedback. The, the feedback they're getting is it's okay just keep doing what you're doing and I'll stay and I'll just be pretend to myself that it's okay and I'll pretend to you that it's okay and we'll lie to each other and that'll be we'll call that love but that's not love because remember love loves the truth that's not the truth so tolerating the intolerable means that I'm putting up with stuff that really is very very difficult for me to put up with and I'm telling myself, I should be stronger. I should be able to t- tolerate this. I should be a better person. Maybe if I'm kinder, maybe if I'm uh, 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 um, um, more loving, maybe if I give more sex, maybe if I cook better meals, maybe if I you know, make sh- lie to the kids and tell them that daddy's just in a bad mood. Maybe, 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 maybe. Those are all bargains, and that's a stage of grief where we're bargaining with reality. We'll talk about that in a little while. So we're telling ourselves that this is really okay, and that we should be able to tolerate it. We should be able to accept it, and it should be acceptable to us. But it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to put up with toxic, um, abusive, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually abusive relationships. It's not okay. And we don't have to put up with that. We need to tell the truth to ourselves, and that is self-love, and we need to tell the truth to other people. And that is other love. So forgiveness is not tolerating the intolerable and accepting the unacceptable. Forgiveness is also not pity. A lot of times we think, well, I should just feel sorry for that person. And if I feel sorry for them, then that must mean I've forgiven them. Well, first of all, pity is a kind of uh, denouncement. It's a kind of way of saying that you're less than me somehow. Um, And I feel sorry for you because you're less than me. Um, So pity is not... Uh, not, not the same as compassion. Compassion is an emotion that says, I, I care about you deeply. I see what you feel and I care about it deeply. But pity says, I feel sorry for you because you're less than me. You, you can't manage your life very well. And poor you. Um, and, and that's not, doesn't help us to, to um, rely on pity to get us through. But a lot of people will say that, I feel sorry for him, and so I forgive him. I feel sorry for her, therefore that means I forgive him, her. 
So when we're when we're thinking about you know pity, it's a one man down position, and a lot of people think of forgiveness that way too. I feel I must forgive you because I'm a better person than you, and you're less than me, and therefore I I will forgive you. Uh, you know, there's a kind of uh, you did wrong by me, and that makes you less, and therefore I can forgive you. There's a kind of one-upmanship that's in the psychological background of that whole decision to think of it that way. And uh, so, no, pity is not an acceptable version of forgiveness. It's not also trying to discover why they did it. You know, one of the things I hear most in my office is complaints about uh, why, why, I just don't understand why they would do that. I would never do that. I don't understand why they did that. If I could just understand why they did it, maybe I could get over it. What they're really doing is bargaining. They don't know that, but they're really bargaining. They're in the bargaining stage of grief, and they're saying, if I could understand this, then I could get over it. That's a bargain. If, then, that makes it a bargain. Excuse me. And so, you know, when they're saying, uh, I I need to know why they did it, what they're really saying is, until I discover why they did it, I will refuse to forgive. And that's an interesting uh, delaying tactic that we have in our psychology as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, when we talk about uh, forgiving, we're not talking about discovering anything. Discovery is a mental ob- observatory process. And we may never know why they did it. In fact, they may never know why they did it. A lot of times people do things and they don't know why they did it. But they did it. And all we need to know is what's going on inside of us. We don't have to figure out their process for them. We need to figure out our own process. We need to understand why we're doing what we're doing. Where are we in this process? What's really going on in my emotions, in my mind, in my psyche, in my soul? What's going on in me? So trying to discover why they did it is usually just a bargain. And again, that's a bargaining stage of grief. It doesn't get us to acceptance, and acceptance is the final stage. We can get stuck in bargaining for years. I've seen people stuck in bargaining for years. It's a very difficult place to be. We'll talk some more about that after uh, in the next section. Forgiveness is also not a decision to be a good person. You know, a lot of times we think that if I'm a good person, then I will forgive. If I'm not a good person, then I won't forgive. Uh, people that are bad people don't forgive. People that are good people do forgive. And so I will, I will make a decision to forgive. And um, uh, people talk about that, the, the whole process of it being a decision. It's not even a decision at all. It's not, uh, when, you, when you make it into a decision, that means that you've made it into a mental process and it's no longer the profound spiritual emotional process that forgiveness actually is. It's now become this mental process that's purely intellectual and I'm going to decide to forgive you. And so now I've just forgiven you because that's what I want to do. Um, I've heard people say, I've read books that say, if you say I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you three times out loud, about that person, that means you've forgiven them. And I'm just here to tell you, that's a load of hogwash. That's not true. <laughs> that, it, it, it's not true that you can forgive somebody just by saying some magical words. It doesn't work that way. Again, forgiveness is a profound, deep, emotional and spiritual process that is, is not based in, um, it is not based in an intellectual idea 
uh, that comes from an idea of who we are, like I'm a good person, therefore I will forgive, uh, or, or any other kind of making a decision. It's not a decision at all. It's a process. And like grief, it happens within us as we walk through feelings. It doesn't happen because we decided to do it. So if you hear yourself saying, I've decided to forgive, ask yourself how intellectual that process is. Because that you may be just fooling yourself. I hear people say very commonly, I've forgiven him or her. And five minutes later, they're talking about the events that happened and the offense that happened. And they're just still pretty hot under the collar about it, still pretty upset about it, still can't understand why it happened, still can't understand why they did it. And uh, so I'm, they think they're forgiven, but they're far from forgiveness. So forgiveness is not a decision. It's certainly not a decision to be a good person by forgiving. Forgiveness is not earned. People don't have to earn it. People don't have to change their ways in order to get it. In other words, I hear people say all the time, well, if, once, if he ever says he's sorry, then I'll forgive him. Or if he ever comes and tries to make amends, then I'll forgive him. Or if, 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 he's, if he gives me back the money he owes me, then I'll forgive him. That's a bargain. You hear the if and the then in that? Well, that means it's a bargain. It's saying to yourself, well, I'll just postpone forgiveness until that person decides they want forgiveness, and then I'll do some intellectual process that I call forgiveness, which probably won't be forgiveness either. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's not um, earned. It's also not the magic that makes bad feelings go away. And I think that is the thing that most people get tripped up by. They think that once they have forgiven somebody, they will never, ever be sad or upset about this thing ever again. And that's simply not true. It, uh, I have seen forgiveness happen where, the, where there are still some feelings about those events. They're, they may not be as strong. They may not be uh, hate or filled with rage or anger. But they, but they still have feelings. It's like the death of someone you love. You, you grieve them and you do get to acceptance, but that doesn't mean you're never, ever sad anymore. Um, doesn't mean you don't ever miss that person. Um, grief is, is, is a process and so is forgiveness. So um, it is not that magic that makes bad feelings go away. Um, those, the, the difficult feelings may be there for a while. And, and they may... may they may be not as strong as they once were, but they, they can still be there. They can, we can call up memories that could cause us to have some difficult feelings. And finally, it is not closure. Closure is a myth. Closure is a, a myth in the first place. We don't get closure. We just close that door and we never think about that thing again and it's just over. That's another mythology that helps us think that we're, we're going to get all the bad feelings to go away. Closure, the idea of closure in our modern society is that I'm going to get to this place where I never, ever have hard feelings about this thing again. And that's a myth. It, it, it just doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. And so there is no such thing as closure. Therefore, forgiveness can't be closure. Okay, so now we know what forgiveness is not. When we come back right after the break, we're going to learn about what forgiveness is. And then we're going to learn about how we might process through it. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We experience all sorts of changes as we move through life, marriage, raising children, moving up the corporate ladder, and saving for retirement. To maneuver smoothly through these changes, tune in to Practical Solutions for Life with host Catherine Wilking. Through engaging guests, fun topics, and feng shui solutions, you will learn how to take charge and move from chaos to prosperity. Be sure to listen live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice of America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about forgiveness. We're trying to decide what it is and what it isn't. What we've said is that it is not several things. I'm going to list those again for you just briefly here. Forgiveness is not something we can shoot ourselves into. It's not a duty. It's not taking someone back. It's not absolution. It's not tolerating the intolerable and accepting the unacceptable. It's not pity. It's not trying to discover why they did it. It's not a decision to be a good person by forgiving. It's not a decision at all. It's not earned, and it's not the magic that makes bad feelings go away. And finally, it's not closure. So the one thing I didn't explain earlier that I do need to explain again now is that is that it is not absolution. I didn't talk about that earlier. Meant to. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, absolution tends to mean that one is just clean, cleansed of all sin after that. You know, so we absolve someone of their sins when we forgive them. But actually, that's not ours to do. We don't have the power to do that for somebody else. We don't have the power to help them feel better about what they did. We don't have the power to, to uh, purify their hearts. We don't have that power. What we do have the power to do is take care of our own hearts. And so forgiveness is not about that other person. It's about yourself. It's about taking care of your own heart and processing through your own feelings. Um, that other person is going to have to figure out what they're going to do 
to to with their with the stuff of their life. How do you live with stuff you didn't like about yourself? How do you live with stuff you didn't like what you did when you didn't like what you did? How do people live with that? Well, they learn to forgive themselves, and we'll be talking about that too. So it's not absolution. I want to clarify that a little bit. Okay, so let's talk about what it is. Let's look at the word itself. The ancient Greek, as as it is used in the New Testament, uh, is ephemi. It means to send away, to allow, or to leave or go away. And I really love this last one. It says, to leave so that what is left may remain. I really like that because I, I think that might be a fairly clear definition of forgiveness. It means to leave to surrender something so that what is left may remain. You take away the stuff that's that's uh, that's that's not not either not important or not valid or not uh, doesn't have to be there anymore, and you leave what's left, and what remains can be transformative. Um, the ancient Hebrew in the Old Testament is just simply to pardon. It's kalash, which means to pardon. I like the old English too. It's forgiven, and it means uh, for, and then gaifen. For means completely, and gaifen means to give, and so it means to give completely. And I like that because there is a kind of surrendering that we do in the process of forgiveness that allows, uh, as the ancient Greek work of Femi said, to allow. It allows us to. Uh, to let go in a kind of way that says uh, we're not really the ones in charge and it's okay to not be in charge. So there's a kind of give completely there. I like, my, my favorite definition of the word forgive is for the gift. Because I think what happens is when the only time we really know for sure that we have forgiven someone is when we have obtained the gift that their offense came to give us. We have obtained the gift. So, so, you know, we can look back on that event and say for sure that we got, we, we were transformed because of it. We are different now because of it. We are uh, stronger, more capable, more open, more able to do the tasks of our lives uh, than we were prior to those, the, the, the forgiveness process. And so... Uh, it's not the events that cause us to change necessarily by themselves, because certainly there are many people who go through difficult, uh, tragic offenses and never get past it. So it's not the events that transform us. It's forgiving that transforms us. It's the process of grief that transforms us. And so that's what I believe that, that uh, forgiveness actually is. It's a process of grief. It's a process just like that described by Kubler-Ross, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who wrote on death and dying back in many years ago. She has since passed on herself. Um, and uh, But what she says is that there are five stages of grief. And there are there's some different pe- ideas about that today that are additions to it. I have an addition to it myself, actually. She says the five stages of grief are denial, anger, depression, uh, bargaining, and acceptance. And I changed the depression to sorrow because I've seen people go through the grief process and go through really profound sorrow, but not ever get depressed. Um, So I think it's how we deal with that sorrow that decides whether or not we'll become depressed. Um, And so uh, the sorrow can be there. 
and can be very, very big. It can be a big sorrow. It can be a profound sorrow. But that doesn't mean we're going to get depressed. So I say the five stages are denial, anger, sorrow, bargaining, and acceptance. And it is possible to become depressed as a result of the sorrow. And, and because of not dealing with the anger and the denial and the bargaining, too. That's all those things can make a person depressed by not really dealing with those things. But if one is honest and one comes to uh, a difficult event in their lives, particularly one that's offensive by somebody else, somebody else has offended us in some way, uh, and one comes to those events with an attitude of openness, of, of okay, what is this here for? What is this going to show me? Then these stages uh, pass through uh, a little bit more easily. Denial is a kind of slow awakening to, oh, my God, this is real. People talk about something happening, and they say it's a surreal event. And, it, and what they mean by that is they, they're still in denial. They're, they're not, they're not have it fully way, awakened body, mind, soul, and spirit, body, mind, emotions, soul, and spirit to, um, to the event, to the fact of it, its reality. Um, they are in a process of doing that, and it's a slow process, but it happens slowly, and that's a protection for us. Denial is not a bad thing in and of itself. Now, if it goes on for years and years, it can be a, it can be difficult for the person who's in denial as well as for the people around the person who's in denial. But what but what denial is supposed to do is protect us from being overwhelmed. It's it's it would be just too much for us to take on the whole thing, swallow it whole, all at once. We try. We do try. We try to push ourselves to hurry up and accept things that are difficult. But, uh, you know, when people go into shock, when something traumatic has happened, or even if that traumatic thing is a result of an offense by somebody else, when people go into shock, what they're really doing is going into a deep state of denial. And so there's all kinds of states of denial, but the denial itself is not wrong. It is meant to help us to really get to the place where we're receiving this thing. And if we go at denial with that kind of openness and just go, okay, I'm in this stage. It feels really surreal to me right now. I'm in a state of sort of disbelief. Even though I know it's happened intellectually, my emotions are still in a state of sort of disbelief. I'm going to let that be what it is. I'm not going to try to push this river. I'm just going to let it be, and we'll see where it carries me. And I will awaken slowly to this difficult reality. And if you go at it with that kind of openness, that it's, that it's easier. And when we do that with the whole process of forgiveness, what that means is, uh, you know, there's a part of me that just does not want to receive the fact that you could have offended me in that way. People say, for example, when somebody, when a spouse cheats on a spouse, oftentimes this, the one who's cheated on will say to the other one, I don't even know who you are anymore. That's a stage of denial. What they're really saying is, you are not who I thought you were, and that's a shock to my system. And I can't even really process that. I, I'm sort of stuck in this place of who the heck are you um, that you could do this thing. I, you know, I had this one image of you, and now you've turned that, flipped that completely over, and I don't know who you are anymore. And that's a, that's a part of the denial process where a person is kind of going, okay, I'm slowly waking up to the fact that the you that I know is the you that did this. Um, 
you could be both. You can be both that person who did this and the person I know. Uh, so, uh, so denial is that process, uh, part of the process of forgiveness as well. Um, and then, then, then they don't happen in any order. So when I say then next comes anger, that's just the order that Kubler Ross put them in. But anger is the stage where we're really very angry at having been offended. Particularly with forgiveness, with forgiveness, we're we're really angry at having been offended by someone who's done something, or by life itself. One of the things I think we have to forgive is life itself, and we'll talk some more about that in the next segment of the show. But uh, we're we're in this place of 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 just anger, and sometimes it's rage, particularly when somebody's been raped or molested. There's, a, there's very often a stage of rage that they go through. And I think that's really, really healthy because what it says is, you know, anger is a way of saying I am. I am here, I am real, and I matter. And so it is your I am, and it is stepping forth to assert itself in a way that allows you to be here, to matter be important to yourself and to other people. What a lot of religion says is you should not matter to yourself. Not just Western religion. That's not the only religion that says that. There's other religions that say that as well or seem to say that, seem to be interpreted to say that, I should say. Um, but, but actually mattering to ourselves allows us to receive the gift that we are. In, in one of the Psalms in uh, um, the Old Testament of the Christian Bible or the Jewish Tanakh says that we were made a little lower than God. And so if that's true, if that's true that we are made a little lower than the divine, then why should we negate ourselves? Why should we pretend to ourselves that we don't matter? Why should we say to ourselves, well, other people matter, but I don't really matter? Um, that's... that's uh, a fool's mission, and we've, we've been taught to do it, and uh, that's a form of spiritual abuse, which is a whole other radio show. Um, and, uh, but, but when anger comes forward and it says, I am here, I am real, and I matter, and what it does is make what happened very real to us, and it makes us very real to what happened. So that we're not, so there's, now there's a real two involved. There's what happened, and there's me. And I'm just as important as what happened to me. And so I can't just say, I don't matter, and I'll just accept it, and I'll just roll over and pretend that I can forgive. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to process through this anger, and it's going to carry me to a new place inside of myself so that I love myself more, I trust myself more, I trust me to take good care of me, and I'm going to be a, a different person as a result of having allowed myself to feel this anger. So the process of forgiveness includes being angry. And that is not something we've been taught at all about forgiveness. We've not been taught that anger is an important part of the forgiveness process. Nor have we been taught that, uh, that sorrow is an important part of the forgiveness process. So sorrow uh, is a, a, a deep, profound ocean of emotion that just comes up in waves and it just takes over the mind and the body and the heart and it just floods us with uh, this aching feeling of, of profound uh, letting go, 
It's a profound process of letting go. Sorrow says, I can't let go, I can't let go, and yet while I'm, can't, while I'm telling myself I can't let go, I have to let go, I am letting go, I am letting go, I am letting go. And so that process is, is very profound and very, very important. And it comes sometimes mixed up with anger, and it comes sometimes mixed up with a little denial, and it comes sometimes mixed up with some bargaining, but it's a process, and it's very, very important for us to allow that process to be what it is. Now, uh, what I say about sorrow is I have not yet met a person who has, uh, who has transformed, who has not had some pretty profound sorrow in their lives. The people who have really genuinely transformed have had something in their lives that has caused them to go through some very deep uh, spiritually awakening emotions. And that takes a really profound kind of oceanic wave over us. And uh, so we need to be able to allow ourselves to just process through the sorrow. We might need some help with that. We might need to go to therapy. We might need to have other people know about what we're feeling. We might need to talk about it. We might need to pray about it. We might need to meditate about it. We might need to write about it. But in the process, we'll get, once it's over, once that kind of uh, process begins to be less intense, and, and becomes more uh, just a, a low-grade sadness instead of profound sorrow. Uh, once that happens, we have gotten closer to, the, to, uh, to that process, final end of acceptance. Um, and then uh, we've got bargaining. We talked about bargaining earlier, and we'll talk about it some more as, as in the next segment. But bargaining is that stage where we're, we're trying to put, tell ourselves that we can change things so denial says it's not happening our anger says i'm so mad that it's happening it's happening sorrow says i'm so sad that it's happening bargaining says i can make it stop happening that's why it's dangerous and that's why it can go on for a long long period of time so we tell ourselves all kinds of things about that i can pretend to myself that he's not really dead i can pretend to myself that you really are loving even though you've been very unloving and abusive to me I can pretend all kinds of things to myself and tell myself that it's okay, that, that I'm being a good person by being kind and forgiving to you even though you've been abusive and, and mean and toxic to me. So that, you know, that's bargaining. So bargaining says, if I, then you. If, if you, then I'll. If this, then that. There's an if and a then. And it's meant to trick us into believing that things aren't what they really are. And so we... We have that process. If we can recognize it and call it what it is and go, okay, that's me bargaining, then we're open to allowing it to move on. But if we, if we get stuck there, and many people do get stuck there, then it's very difficult to get through that to the other side. So we, we need to be aware of bargaining and be aware of what it can do to us as we process through it. So, uh, so then we finally get to acceptance. And acceptance is the place where we can go, Okay, that happened. It was real. It was very painful. And I can live with it. It doesn't say it's gone away. It doesn't say I'm all better now. I'll never have a, a hard feeling about that ever again. It just says I can live with it. It's okay. So that's acceptance. And we're going to talk some more about this process and how a person does walk through this process in the next segment. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about forgiveness. What we don't want forgiveness to be is just another F word. We want it to be a meaningful process that ends with a transformed person, a person who understands life and themselves a lot better. So before we go any further, what we have to understand is that there are several things that uh, can be forgiven. We can forgive other people for offending us. We can forgive ourselves. We can forgive life for being what it is. We can forgive the divine for not being who we or what we expected of the divine. We can forgive all kinds of things. And that process is the same regardless that we process through stuff. So let's give an example, and this is one I'm just making up on the spot here, but it's an example that we all see on TV and in our uh, real lives from time to time. We know people who've been through this, or perhaps we've been through it ourselves. Let's say that you're talking about a cheating spouse a cheating significant other or a cheating spouse. Um, and that person has cheated on you and you are very upset about that. And um, you've decided, let's say, just for the heck of it, that you've decided to go ahead and break that relationship off. You've decided that you can't be with this person because they cheated on you. Well, the first stage that we'll go through here is denial. The first the first thing that happened or happened early on before the cheating before the cheating even became known or conscious is that there was some denial going on even then that I was telling myself that I did that all the little red flags that I saw were not really red flags and that the little suspicious moments that I had were just me being suspicious and insecure they weren't really they weren't really about what was he what he or she was really doing it was just, you know, me being insecure or suspicious 
And so I just had to get over that. That was me being silly. Uh, or, uh, you know, I, I didn't really notice things, or if I saw things, I told myself they weren't really the real. And then when it really does happen, that I really find out that, yes, indeed, I've been cheated on, uh, there's another stage of denial. There's another kind of denial that happens then. Then I've got to receive it into my heart, into my bones as a reality. And that process will be the process that gets me to decide to leave. I'll, I'll, I'll get to the place where I finally go, yeah, this is not going to work. I can't be with a person who's going to cheat on me and continue to cheat on me. I'm going to have to, I'm just going to have to leave. Now, that doesn't always happen in relationships. One of the most difficult things for a relationship to get past is um, infidelity um, because there's just so much distrust after that and there's so much uh, baggage that has to be walked through by both parties. The party that cheated has to be willing to not only admit what he's done but to clarify why he did it, he or she did it, uh, and to take full responsibility for that without blaming the partner at all. Or having done that, and if that can happen and the partner can receive that, then they can possibly move on past it and, and, and start a new phase of their relationship. That does happen occasionally. But in this case, let's just say that the person decides to leave because the person has not taken responsibility. The spouse has not taken responsibility for having cheated. They have not owned their own part in it. They have not recognized why they did it. They have not just, they've just not taken any kind of responsibility. So in moving through the denial process, you get to this place where you go, well, I, I can't see this getting any better. So I'm going to have to leave. So that's a part of getting to acceptance. So we get to the acceptance in, in little phases and we come back to another stage. So we get to acceptance, and then we come back to anger. We get to acceptance, and we come back to sorrow. We get to acceptance, we come back to bargaining. We get to acceptance, we come back to vow. And, and it happens in that way. It doesn't happen in any kind of order, one, two, three, four. We want things in America to be linear, don't we? We want them to be very understandable. Oh, this is where I'm at today. Tomorrow I'm going to be here. Next day I'm going to be there. And we understand it all very intellectually, and it works very well for us that way. But that's just not how it works. It's much messier than that. Um, and so uh, in the process of forgiveness, the denial would say, I can't really receive this. This is too much for me. It's overwhelming, and I, I, I just have to take it a little step at a time. And so I encourage people at that stage to just go ahead and admit that, to just go say and say, I can only receive this a little piece at a time. And allow themselves that time to just only receive it a little bit at a time. And then then what happens eventually is they get angry. And uh, when, when they get angry, uh, they may have been angry and get angry again. So, you know, again, it doesn't happen in any order. But uh, when they get angry, that's that time when, you know, we tend to, if we're trying to be good people, there's a air quotes around that, good people, uh, if we're trying to be good people, what we tend to do is we tend to say, I should just go ahead and forgive. I should just get on over this and be done with it and move on with my life. And that's a, one of the phrases in America that we use very much, just move on, just move on, just let it go, just move on, right? We push that river instead of allowing the river to carry us to a new place. 
um, because we want to be in charge. We want to be in control. We want to be fearless. We want to have no emotions that are difficult for us. We want to be pure intellect in America. We would like it if we could just shoo emotions away, forget them altogether, not have any emotions at all that are difficult, only be happy all the time and intellectually astute and on top of things. That's what we want in America, in the Western culture. But it doesn't work that way. That's not how the psyche works. It's very unrealistic, and we're in a stage of denial when we believe that that's how things are going to work. So when we get angry, that's really a time when I encourage people to get out pen and piece of paper or or a journal to really begin to write from their gut what they really feel because that anger is going to tell them where their sore spots are, where their triggers are, what kinds of things they really believe about life, what they believe about relationship, what they believe about what they, who they are. It's going to tell them a lot. So if I'm angry at you because you, uh, you know, didn't think I was pretty enough, what does that say to me about what I think is important in this relationship? Well, it certainly says that one of the things I think is important is that I need for you to think that I'm pretty. Well, what does that say about whether or not I think I'm pretty? Um, so it te- anger can tell us a whole lot about what's really going on inside of us, about what we believe about life, about what we believe about ourselves, about what we believe about our partners, about what we believe about relationship, about what we believe about the divine. Um, you know, sometimes people get so angry at the divine for allowing this to happen. And I've worked with people who, who really believe that the divine is supposed to take such good care of us that they don't allow anything bad to happen. I've been good. I've been uh, a good steward of my time and energy and talents. So why is the divine letting this happen to me? I haven't deserve. I don't deserve this. Uh, I've definitely worked with people who've been taught to believe that the divine is their sort of Santa Claus caretaker, and he will always give them what they want as long as they behave right. So you know the Santa Claus list that you, know, you if you're on the good boy or good girl list then you get your toys and if you're not then you don't you get switches and ashes right so that's the kind of kind of idea about the divine that the divine is going to be that way too if you if I'm doing good then I'll get good good things and if I'm not doing good then I'll get bad things and it just doesn't work that way uh, all we have to do is look at the mafiosa to know that people that do bad things don't always get bad results. And it's the same is true in the reverse. Good things that do good people that do good things don't always get good results. So, uh, so there's an acceptance there that has to take place, and that's a process of being angry first, so that we can work through that anger and see to the other side where it transforms us to a place of receiving life for what life is, instead of demanding that life be what we want it to be. So, anger is a very, very important stage here of forgiveness, and 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 to dismiss that stage outright by saying. I should not have any angry feelings, is to spiritually bypass. Um, We talked about spiritually bypassing in one of the last episodes of this show. And spiritually bypassing means I'm trying to just jump over stuff that would actually help transform me. But I'm pretending to myself that it's not important, that I'm a better person than that. I'm better than being angry at so-and-so because he cheated on me or she cheated on me. I'm better than that. So I'm just not going to go there. And those ideas are spiritually abusive to us. They abuse our souls because they don't teach us that we're okay to have the emotions we have. So I encourage people to get out of journal and begin to write about their anger and just let it bleed out on the page and let it say what it needs to say so we can become aware of what's going on inside of us. 
And then sorrow. Sorrow is a place of deep, profound emotion, and it, it, uh, it carries us to deep, profound places. It makes us ask all kinds of questions about life. It makes us ask all kinds of questions about ourselves, about who we are, about what we want out of life, about what our expectations were that perhaps have to change now, um, and about you know, how, we, how we manage life. How do we manage sorrow? What do we do with sorrow when it comes? Do we tell ourselves that we shouldn't have it? Do we tell ourselves not to cry? Do we tell ourselves not to just get over it and forgive and move on? What do we tell ourselves about sorrow? Sorrow has that ability, as I said, to change us. It's like a river that just roars through the landscape and changes the landscape. Like the Mississippi River changes the landscape. You know, the boundaries of the Mississippi have changed over and over and over again because the river is so big and so strong that it changes the boundaries. And that's how it can happen in us. The the changes in us can occur because we've allowed ourselves to go ahead and feel that sorrow. So I say, go ahead and cry. Go ahead and feel the feelings. Write if you must. Get talk to a friend if you must. Go out with friends and also have some self-comforting and some self-soothing time so that you can have, you know that you know how to comfort yourself and you know how to soothe yourself. I tell people to get a list of 10 things that soothe. You know, it's some, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's uh, taking a walk. Sometimes it's exercise. Sometimes it's, it's talking to a friend. Sometimes it's listening to music, only certain kinds of music. Sometimes it's sitting with a candle. Sometimes it's meditating. Sometimes it's prayer. And it'll be one thing one day and another thing another day. So I say make a list of ten and when one doesn't work, try the next one to, to soothe yourself. So not only do you ha- allow yourself to have the painful feelings of sorrow, but you also know how to soothe yourself. And what that teaches your mind is that it's okay to feel sorrow because you're going to soothe yourself afterward. So that's an important step, too, in, this, in the forgiveness process. Then we get to bargaining. When, you, when bargaining comes along, you, it, it's, it's kind of an intellectual thing that the mind does. It wants to say, well, if I do this, then this will happen. If I do that, then that will happen. And uh, it's a trickery. It's a, it's a, it's a, a mercurial trickery, uh, the trickster happens in our minds and it comes and tells us, well, you can change this. You know, you can make this different. So in this, when the when a spouse has been cheating on you, you might say, well, you know, I can get, I can lose a bunch of weight and get more beautiful and then he'll be attracted to me again and, and then he'll stop cheating on me. Um, see, there's an if and a then, if I get more beautiful. So what, but what does that say about yourself? That your value is only in your physical being? That the only reason he is attracted to you is because you're pretty or not. Um, so, you know, the, the, those things are tell us something. Those bargains tell us something about how we really feel about ourselves as well. So they're very important to to look at as well. So, bargaining is again a place where we can get stuck. We can just stay in that and hoping to get things different, hoping to make things different. We can do that in, in, after leaving a, a relationship where we've been cheated on. We can bargain by saying, well, I'll just hop into another relationship and then I'll be okay. If I can just find another relationship, then I'll be okay. Um, and it's a way of avoiding all those feelings of anger and sorrow and, and avoiding the whole process of forgiveness. And uh, it keeps us jumping from one bed to another to keep us from having to really feel anything. And it's a bargain. 
So it says, if I, then this. If I do this, then I'll just be okay. Same thing with drinking or having sex, a lot of sex. You know, these things make me feel better, so let me just quickly go do those things. Uh, or, uh, or so that I won't feel this bad. So bargaining can do those things to us, and we don't want to get stuck there. Acceptance, again, is that process where we finally get to the place where we go, okay, that happened. It was very real. It was very painful, and it changed me, and I've got the gift now. I've got the gift. I understand how I've changed and how I'm, I'm, I'm a different, more capable, more alive, more spiritually awake person than I was before this happened. And, and now I can move on with my life because I have changed. I got the gift. And that's the acceptance of forgiveness is I got the gift that it came to give me. I have received my gift. I can look back on these events and I, and I can say for sure, thank you that you happened in my life because it made me change. It forced me to have to change in ways that I never would have changed had it not happened. And we can be very grateful that those events happened and, and that we went through the forgiveness process to allow it to change us. So when we get to that place of really being grateful that something happened, we have arrived at acceptance. Maybe we won't stay there. Maybe we'll go back through some anger and some sorrow again, but eventually we'll get to a permanent place where we can just go, that, these things changed me and I'm so grateful they happened. And, and I feel very different as a result of these things. I am very different as a result of these things. So that's, that's for the gift. We got the gift. And that's what forgiveness came to give us. It came to give us a gift. Not for the other person so much. The other person might get a gift out of it if they choose to, but it's really for us. The gift is for us. So that's our study of forgiveness today, and uh, we're going to be back again next week for more of Authentic Living, so be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 